You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and thanks for tuning in to tonight's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and coming up in the show tonight, we'll be finding out about the production of almond milk in West Limerick. Ken Mayor Foodie, Karen Coakley will have culinary news from the Kingdom. Beer sommelier Judith Boyle has details about some exciting events in Kildare and John Farrand will be explaining what the big deal is with the Great Taste Awards. If you want to get in touch with me, feel free to drop me an email s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation. Now we usually have Ron Forrestal from Forrestal Wine Merchants on the third show of the month but Ron is currently away on holiday so I hope you're having a nice time Ron. No doubt you'll be tuning in from where wherever you are. We'll hang on until next week to find out what wine recommendations Ron has in store for us. So instead tonight we're going to hear from a local artisan food producer. The Good Little Cook is based in Kilmeady in County Limerick and they make almond milk. You might have heard Ken Mayor Foodie Karen Coakley talking about the product in a recent interview here on the show. Tonight Declan and Emma O'Shaughnessy join me in the studio to tell us all about it. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mm. Emma and Declan, you're both very welcome to the studio this evening. Thanks for coming in, but you didn't have too far to come. No, we're very local, just um, Kilmeady, so 10 minutes out the road, really. It doesn't sound like a Kilmeady accent, though. Um, no, I'm originally from Palace Kenry, so a bit more cosmopolitan, but... <laughs> And what about yourself, Emma? Where are you from? I'm from Arda. Arda, okay. So you're both West Limerick people. Yeah. And you're producing almond milk. How did that come about, Declan? Um, Well, Emma's been making almond milk for a few years now. It originally started because I had an intolerance to dairy. Um, It gives me acid reflux. So she started buying me almond milk in the shops. And then one day we actually looked at the back of the label just to see what was actually in there and it's quite surprising um the one we were buying had vegetable oil in it emulsifiers stabilizers added sugar and emma kind of said no that's a no-no i'm gonna start making it myself so she did a bit of research and she started making me some and i started drinking it and as i say that's four or five years ago now and about 12 months ago we kind of had a eureka moment and we said well we still can't buy anything like this in the shop, so why don't we start making it ourselves and see if anybody else is interested in it? So that's kind of where we started, I guess. Mm-hmm. Emma, you were the one behind the labour side of it. Is it quite a labour-intensive product to make, or how is it made? Yeah, there, there, there is quite a bit of work in it, and um, we make sure that it's raw and it's activated. So we activate our almonds, which means that you can get a lot more of the nutrition from them. It means it makes the nutrition in the almond more bioavailable to your body. So um, we soak them. It also gets rid of um, it gets rid of the inhibitors in the nuts. Um, and it means the enzymes can get to work. Uh, and then once the nuts are soaked, we uh, process them with water. So we mix them with water to create the milk. And then it has to be filtered through muslin cloths um, to to make it a nice creamy consistency, more like milk, so that you, you can use this in everything from tea, coffee, porridge, cereal. Um, you can make smoothies with it. Um, you can even bake with it if you need to. So it's great for people who are dairy intolerant um, 
I had an image of blending and grinding and bashing in my head. Am I completely off the mark saying that? Um, yeah, we, we, we blend our nuts with, with our filtered water, but we make sure that we keep the process um, really cold. So it's, it's a cold process, so we don't ever apply heat to the nuts. The, the warmest the nuts would get would be like room temperature. And um, the colder you can keep the process, the better, because it means that um, the fat, the fats in the nuts, um, then stay a lot uh, fresher, and it means that we get um, a good long, a good shelf life out of us. So we get about seven days of a shelf life, and considering that it's a really natural product, that it's raw. Um, that that's a fantastic shelf life. Um, obviously, it's never going to be the same as like a UHT product, but then the UHT products they're completely sterile and they've got a shelf life to infinity. <laughs> so they're not, they're not a natural product. No. Tell me about the almonds. Where do you source them from, Declan? At the minute, we're using Californian almonds. Um, we would, going forward, very much like to use European, especially Spanish almonds, organic preferably if we could. But at the minute, just purely in terms of the volumes that you'd have to buy, that's not practical for us. So at the minute, it's Californian. But, you know, they're, they're, as, they're the best almonds we can find on the market. But we're always on the lookout for something better. Are you importing those from California yourself? or No, we're buying from a wholesaler. So at the minute, I mean, literally, we wouldn't even have the room to store the, the amount of nuts you'd have to buy if you were sourcing them directly. The ingredients then, um, it's, you've mentioned filtered water and almonds. Is there anything else? No, it's that, that's it. That's, that's all we use. And we use 10 times more almond than the commercially produced types. If you look at the back of a lot of packets, you'll notice they're about 2% almond. And we kind of wonder how they can actually get away with calling it almond milk because it's got a lot more of other ingredients in it than it does almonds. So with our product, it is just the natural the natural product. It's It's... Uh, almonds and pure filtered water and nothing else there's no additives preservatives stabilizers no guar gums or soy lecithins or uh, flavor enhancers or anything like that it's just completely natural yeah we're 20 percent almonds compared to two percent and day 90 percent water and absolutely nothing else and you do variations you have different flavors available yeah at the minute we do two two different flavors we've got our carob flavored and we've got a beetroot flavored and obviously they they then have their own um unique nutritional properties like carob is naturally high in calcium so combined with the nuts it's great for somebody who's dairy intolerant because um nuts again they're naturally high in calcium as well protein packed full of vitamin e have no cholesterol but have the good fats so like the essential fatty acids omega-3 6 and 9s so um they're you know it's a fantastic product and that combined then with the carob which is like I say naturally high in calcium and is antiviral it's a really nice combination and it's a little bit sweeter as well because a lot of people um, who are buying the commercial almond milks a lot of them actually put sugar in so they're used to that little bit of sweetness but we don't use refined sugars and what we do with our carob one is we actually add dates in Um, so you get a natural sweetness from the dates but you're also getting fibre um, as well, which again is beneficial. Um, and then with our beetroot one, it's basically just beetroot. So you've got the goodness of the beetroot along with the almond milk, and we add in a little bit of maple syrup just to kind of bring out the sweetness of the beetroot. But it's not particularly sweet. It's it's got tiny, tiny amount of sugar in it. 
So the consumer then, are, they're drinking it as a standalone product. They're putting, you mentioned smoothies. I presume maybe putting it in their porridge. What else would they be using it for? Would they bake with it? Yeah, we... Um the flavours, the carob and the beetroot, we kind of designed them to be a ready-to-go drink for lunch, breakfast, that kind of thing. Now, you can also use them for smoothies. Um, the carob one makes an absolutely fantastic white Russian, strangely enough, if you like cocktails. Or hot chocolate. And then the original, um, that is absolutely perfect for baking. So you can do, you can use it wherever you would use normal dairy milk in baking. Or if you want to, you can also acidulate it and use it instead of buttermilk in baking. So you can make buttermilk pancakes, you can make soda bread, anything like that. It's absolutely versatile and very, very easy to use. Where can people get it? You're at some of the markets because Karen Coakley, who's our Ken Foodie Kerry correspondent, she has mentioned meeting you at Mahan Market. Yeah, yeah. Mahan Point. In Cork. At the minute, we're available in Sonnes Health Foods in Newcastle West, so nice and local. And then in Cork, we're available at Mahan Farmers Market every Thursday. You go yourselves to the yeah, market? And, it's, and, it's always and the two of us there. We make everything ourselves and we sell it ourselves. We're a, a two-person band. And do you find that that's very useful to get consumer feedback going to a farmer's market like that? It's a great way to meet your customers. Obviously, when you put a product into a shop, there's that barrier between you and the customer. You can ask the shopkeeper how things are going and what kind of feedback they're getting, but there's always an interface there that can sometimes muddy the waters. Whereas at market, we give people samples, we get direct feedback from them. If They give us a very honest appraisal every single time. And it allows us then to tweak if we need to tweak or to launch things to take things further on the market if we need to it was also quite, it was also quite handy as well when we were doing our website because we did actually um a section of you know like frequently asked questions so when people would come up to us at the market and they'd ask us all their their wonderful questions that we had never thought that anyone would ask us we were able to put them on the website so if anyone is interested or have, um you know wants to know about us they can have a look at Yep, brand new website, goodlittlecook.com, launched today. I finally got time to build it um, the last couple of days, so it's up and running at the minute. Hopefully it hasn't fallen over yet. (laughs) You started actually making pasta, is that right? Yeah, we did. (laughs) How many years ago was that? That's uh, coming up to two years ago now, um, about 20 months, I guess. We um, When we came back from the UK, we had very good careers in London um, but we always wanted to move back to Limerick to be closer to our families so when we came back we thought that there was a gap in the market for fresh handmade egg pasta nobody else was doing it everybody we spoke to said oh that's a fantastic idea go for it um, and we discovered that nobody really wants fresh handmade egg pasta. People love the convenience of the dried. And I think the idea of fresh was lovely and people kind of liked it. And they'd buy it every now and again as an odd treat. But you can't build a business on somebody buying things once in a blue moon. <laughs> Did you both come from food careers in the UK or what were your No, neither of us have any background in food other than we like to eat a lot. Obviously this is radio people can't see my body image but (laughs) I'm not that slim to be honest so Emma worked in um, IT as a systems analyst and I worked in digital communications as a website manager in the, the civil service in the UK so it was a big change coming back and doing food. We've always loved to cook and we cook every night we we cook our own dinner lunch breakfast everything like that so really it was just a way of finding some 
angle to get into the market that we thought nobody else was covering that we could actually do something that we enjoyed. The almond milk is available in Sonus Healthcare in Newcastle West, County Limerick. You go to Mahon Point to the market every yep. Thursday. Mm-hmm. And what about Limerick Milk Market? Do you go there on a regular basis? No. Um, as far as Limerick goes, we're, it's literally just Sonus in Newcastle West. Um, in Cork, we're also available in the Ballymaloo Firm Shop and in Key Co-op on Sullivan's Key and Ballincolleg. But... Um, Limerick at the minute is a bit barren in terms of stockers for us so what we would say to any listeners is if you have a favourite food shop or health food shop that you would like to stock milk just let them know about us um, and they can order it in and we can go from there. And they can get your contact information on thegoodlittlecook.com. Yep, that's our website. We're also on Facebook and Twitter so we're not that difficult to find thankfully. And with your website background then you're going to be fantastic the social media side of things which is hugely important in Um, the food industry well i was a website manager in the civil service so i spent four years counseling against getting involved in social media to a large degree so we have dipped our toe in the water with facebook and twitter it's very tentative we're a bit more active on facebook than twitter but we love getting messages through either so do let us do contact us and we'll always interact and come back to people Listen, the best of luck to both of you and thanks so much for coming in. Thanks, Sharon. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Lovely to talk to Declan and Emma and great to find out all about almond milk. So if you decide to give it a taste, let me know what you think by emailing me s.noonan at live.ie. Still to come tonight, Beer Sommelier Judith Boyle has details about some exciting events in Kildare and John Farrand will be explaining what the big deal is with the Great Taste Awards. Next though, it's time to get on the phone to Kerry and get all the Kingdom culinary news with Karen Coakley. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Karen, I can't believe it's seen it's only a month since we last talked to you. It seems longer. No, summertime, it's so busy, Sharon. That it doesn't feel like summertime, unfortunately. No, no. <laughs> we had visitors for the weekend and we were trying to do barbecues and pizzas on the deck and um, it was just a nightmare just to wash out with the wind and the rain. But anyway, we left the wood oven outside and we sat out under the canopy with the rain beating down and the wind howling and we had a bottle of wine and it was just perfect because you have to go with it. Absolutely, this is it. But you're blessed because you're in Canmare and there are plenty of nice places to go in Canmare and you have a few new places that are actually new this summer. Yep, we're very lucky in Khmer. I mean, it's known as I suppose, one of the top food destinations in the country, you know, as well as being a useful tourist town and just, just a perfect location between Killarney and West Cork and everything that it has going for us. So for anybody who is interested in travelling down to Khmer, I mean, no wonder there are so many great places to stay. You're not going to be stuck for food. And as well, there's two new lovely cafes slash restaurants after opening in Khmer. The first one I'm going to touch on is called Poff, and that's been opened by Helen. Poff and her husband Colm is helping her with that as well. Now Helen is a local girl she's had years of experience working in restaurants all around the place, particularly in Kinmare. Local girl, very well liked, very well loved. So Helen most recently would have been the breakfast chef in the Park Hotel. She was there for numerous years. She worked in Jacobs and the Mall in Cork and would have done her training in Sheen Falls um, when it was a, when it had a Michelin star. So that's her background. Um, if Poff it was um, originally a vegetarian cafe and kind of like a bakery. And then the Italian people had it more recently. Helen and Colm have gone in and they've taken it over now and they've just given it a beautiful, stylish lift inside. There's beautiful wallpaper and 
just the whole atmosphere inside there is gorgeous. I think, look, for us going forward, locals, I'm looking forward to the winter there because I think it'd be just a really cozy place to go and have coffee. And from that's, menu. sorry, that's POF, as P-O-F-F for Freddie. P-O- that's that's P-O- how it's spelled. F. I think she said the name is German. The German ancestors should kill me if this is wrong, but because my mother was saying I've never heard of that name either. But um, yeah, it's, a, it's obviously there's POF family here. But yeah, it's a very unusual name. So she has some fabulous stuff. She's got house salad, which I have had myself. And I'm big into salads, and I love salads that, like, you can eat. There's loads of eating in them. We're having quiche here tonight, and I've just served up, um, like, a salad here with some fried potatoes, fried chorizo, sliced onion, olives, and tomatoes. Sometimes I put a poached egg on top and, you know, a dressing, because, you know, that can be a meal in itself, or it can be a fantastic compliment to something. But anyway, Helen's house salad is along those lines, and that's got beautiful local lettuce leaves there was gorgeous local bacon inside there poached egg and a gorgeous creamy dressing on top with parmesan cheese they've got a cajun chicken salad which she has on i think that's a regular and she said her her emphasis really is on comfort food and everything she's using she's using seasonal produce local produce um i was talking to her the other day and she said the sun was shining so she kind of looked at what she had or what she could get put on prawn salad and brown bread and she said it just flew out the door it was just the perfect thing to do so it's lovely to know that you work uh, you've somebody there who's kind of looking at what she has locally looking at the weather and kind of making a decision on her menu based on that and it's working well for her but they're lovely people and Helen is a star so they deserve to do really well okay so that's one new place and then there is another one there is another one Mick and Jimmy's now what I'll just say they're both they're both new and they're both going to be doing brunch which I think is adding another dimension to Khmer. Brunch is a huge thing in Dublin. I think it's really cut on in Dublin. Cork is coming up there as well. But with Helen now and with Mick and Jimmy's doing brunch, I think it's going to be a great addition to the town. So Mick and Jimmy's is um, another new restaurant that's opened. I was in there today for coffee. Lovely atmosphere inside there. Um, It's situated where the old Mulcahy's restaurant was. And Mick and Jimmy are twins. They're from Belfast, Sharon. Oh, really? Absolutely. So you'll have to come down and say hello. I will. So, um... Jimmy worked in the States for many years. He was chefing there and he was the executive chef with Google for the last five years. And anybody who's familiar with Google knows how well they treat their staff and they have fantastic facilities. So he was the executive chef there. Um, again, the menu is an absolutely fabulous menu and it's something I think, you know, Khmer has many different levels and I think these guys are stepping in now into a market like that. They're, they're, just, they're going to do really well with families and with locals because the atmosphere is good. The menu is fabulous and the prices are good. Things like fried chicken wings, um, parmesan cheese truffle fries, which when I read the menu, that had me absolutely drooling, corned beef quesadillas, beer battered fish and chips. So they're doing breakfast, lunch and dinner. And I just think it's another absolutely fantastic addition to the food scene here. Mulcahy's. What street was Mulcahy's on? Mulcahy's was in Henry Street. Now, incidentally, as we are talking about them, Mulcahy's have moved to Main Street which is in Super Value used to be in it years ago for anybody who was familiar with Kinmare. The Horseshoe restaurant is there as well. So Mulcahy's have moved and they are now, they have their restaurant, but they also have like a bar at the front. So they're welcoming it now, Mulcahy's restaurant and bar. I haven't had the chance to be there yet in the new premises, but hearing fantastic reports about it. They would have a great reputation, I know, from other people going to Kinmare that they always would have gone to Mulcahy's one of the nights that they were staying there. They would. I mean, Bruce is like a top-class chef. His food is just amazing. Whenever I'm there, I'll have the beef wellington. His uh, lemon tart, nothing that I've ever tasted. No lemon tart has ever come near it, even in France. It's just the most perfect 
lemon tart that will just like you get this taste explosion in your mouth. So yeah, that's on my list to get there very, very soon. But I like the idea of that they have a bar at the front as well. So it'll serve if you're going for dinner and as well it's just a nice place to go for a drink and come there if you're not eating there. Well, it's great to see two new businesses opening up, so we wish them all the best. And Absolutely. Another venture that you want to talk about tonight is by a more established business that is opening a new place. It is. It's Quinlan's Fish Shop in... Um, they're in well, Quinlan's Fish, they have fish shops in um, Carasavine, they have a fish shop in Killarney, but they also have their fish bars, which I'm a big advocate of. They have a fish bar in Tralee and a fish bar in Killarney. Now, basically, I was talking to the... Um, Liam today myself from Quinlan's and um, he kind of filled me in on the background and he said that all their fish is locally sourced but it's all their own fish everything that they get they they fish themselves and he said if they can't catch if they can't get their own then they will source it locally he said like at the moment he's getting tuna coming into Castletown so he's using that but for themselves they have lobster brill dory lemon sole and that's all their own fish so what they've done is they're they're reaching out from the kingdom and they're going to take over Cork City. So they're opening a fish bar. They've been open since the middle of July in Princess Street. And um, why he's really excited about this was he said he's actually got more scope to do things in Cork than he does in the other two places. He said um, his chef is Brian um, Moran and he was a chef in Herons in Yaws for nine years. So he said, you know, just having somebody there like that and you know, he's planning on expanding the menu. They'll have more flexibility to do different kinds of, you know, restauranty kind of stuff. But again, the ethos is just really good food, really fresh food, simply cooked, and you can't go wrong. And you, we have to give a mention to the Great Taste Awards because Quinlan's have done very well in that this year. They did. They'd won three stars recently in the Great Taste Awards. Um, they were with uh, James Whelan. There was a few Irish um, food producers who won the three stars. Um, I think what it was that there was 130 foods from an entry of 10,000 in total from across the UK and Ireland who were deemed worthy of the three stars. Quinlan's are in there. James Whelan Butchers for his beef dripping, Quinoa Butter and Ballyhoo Mountain Mushroom for their steps in olive oil and the mushroom vinegar. And I'm just absolutely passionate about Ballyhoo You use their dust quite a lot, don't you? Porcini uh, dust. Porcini dust. Porcini dust, that's it, yeah. Well, congratulations to all of them. That's It's a great accolade to have. And certainly if any of the listeners are out doing their shopping and they see any products with a great taste label on it, be it one star, two star or three stars, they're great products. They should definitely give them a they're go. They're fantastic. They are fantastic products. And like Ballyhoo will be very close to my own heart here because they would have come to Camille from Carnival. I think that was kind of at their very beginning. I met them in Mahan Marcus one day when we were organising came out for the carnival at the beginning and brought them down here and that would have been the first time I met them and have known Mark and Lucy since and they're just so passionate about what they do they really are just amazing people amazing champions for food so all of the people who won those three stars will be in line for the regional Golden Fork Award um, in September that will be the supreme champion we will keep a close eye on that in the meantime Karen thanks for talking to me this evening and we will catch up again next month fantastic thanks Sharon you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to tonight's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and you've just joined us. We heard earlier all about an almond milk that is being produced in West Limerick by The Good Little Cook. Visit thegoodlittlecook.com for product info and stockists. 
And just before the break, Karen Coakley had news from the Kingdom. Never fear if you've missed some of the show, as it will be up on the Best Possible Taste podcast later in the week, along with all the previous shows. And you'll find the podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show. And still to come tonight, John Farrand will be explaining what the big deal is with the Great Taste Awards. But before that, let me tell you about Judith Boyle, who is one of only four female beer sommeliers in Ireland and is a fifth generation publican along with her sister Susan who's appeared here on the show a few times to talk about her Wine Goose Chase show. This Thursday Susan and Judith are hosting a special beer tasting and launching an in-house beer at a special event in the family's Kildare pub and Judith joins us now to tell us more. Cheers. Chin chin. Salud. Schleiter. Judith, this Thursday, the 20th of August at 7 o'clock, tell us what's happening in your pub in Kildare. We are having a beer tasting, um, which is going to be the launch of our own Bridget's Ale. Um, So we did an event last um, February for St. Bridget's Day, and it was a real success, and we brewed our own beer first, which was a small batch done with a home brewer, Brendan Murphy, in Kildare Town. Um, And it was a real success. So lots of people have been asking us for our beer. So we decided we would brew our commercial version of it, um, which we are going to launch on on Thursday, the 20th, um, at 7pm, with um, a group of people that want to come from our Leinster Leader article and Kildare Town. Where did the name Bridget come from? How did you come up with it? Um, Well, Bridget is the patron saint of Kildare Town. Um, our hometown and um, she is also the patron saint of beer and the patron saint of um, bees and and brewing so we thought that if we were going to make a beer that's primarily from Kildare so we're brewing it with um, Trouble Brewing in Kill and we've used Kildare malt from Mint and we've used um, obviously Kildare water um, and then we've used old hops because we can't get hops commercially in Ireland yet um, to the scale um, so it's mostly all Kildare and we thought that we'd honour Bridget by doing it and we've used our own honey which we have um, in the back of the pub with bees so um, yeah so it's all all a Kildare beer um, You yourself you are an accredited beer sommelier so how much input did you have into the final product and the taste of it? Um, a lot um, so we developed the recipe ourselves um, from what I wanted in a beer um, and then with um, Brendan Murphy the home brewer and my sister Susan um, we sat down and worked out what way we wanted our beer to taste with so we bared in mind that it's an old history ale um, so we kept to traditional recipes um, and then we talked to the guys in trouble and we made up a beer and with our own recipe um, and they, they brewed it for us with Brendan and Susan brewed it on the day with the help of trouble, so they're minding it first. <laughs> is it is it a secret recipe? Um, it's not. It's not a secret secret. Uh, <laughs> we've um, it's a traditional Irish ale. Um, we've made it in relation to the idea of Bridget. So there's honey in it, um, which will give it a nice um, floral um, nose, and then it's um, lovely and bitter at the end. Um, so it'll be really nice coming into the um, autumn. 
Perfect. And you have some recipes, I think, as well that that can like dishes that can be made using it. Um, yeah, so we use um, the beer in a lot of things because I think the beer goes really well with cooking. Um, so we can use it in bread and we can use it in marinade in beef or like steak. Um, it would work really well with or a stew. Um, I think beer sometimes is just used to drink here, but yet you can use it in so many different ways um, as well as obviously just to drink and relax with. And you're going to demonstrate that on Thursday night? Um, Yes, we are. So we're going to have um, a selection of beers and we're going to use some old beers that are on in keeping with traditional beers from different countries. And then we're going to taste our beer and then there's going to be also recipes that we'll use with our beer and some of the punny products as well. So that's at 7 o'clock on Thursday night and it costs €15. Where can people get their tickets? Yeah, so if you look up our website, which is www.boilskildare.com, um, and then there's a tab underneath called Products, and you should be able to pick the beer tasting event and pay through PayPal. Okay, fantastic. Now, you and Susan are particularly busy in the coming weeks because Medieval Kildare is on. Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, so Kildare Town's having its first medieval festival on Sunday the 23rd of August um, from 12.30 to 6pm. And it's going to be a family fun day with um, archery and battle reenactments and theatre performances from the Silken Palace. And then um, Susan and I are going to be part of the craft and food market and we're going to be selling our Bridget's Autumn Ale and um, also some mead that um, we've also made with our honey. Um, so we'll be giving out samples and we'll have um, an official launch of the Bridget's Ale um, on the Medieval Festival Day. And where can, is there a website for Medieval Kildare that people can get more information about the event as a whole? Yeah, so if you look up um, kildare.ie, Kildare Heritage, um, they will have all the links to it. And that um, it's a free event. Um, we'll have falconry and storytelling and there's a concert at 5pm on the day as well in St. Bridget's Cathedral um, so it will be a really fun day out for um, the whole family. That sounds lovely and just remind us what date that's on? Uh, the 23rd of August okay. so it's a Sunday. Okay so that's this Sunday so this Thursday you have your beer t- tasting at your family yeah. pub then you have Medieval Kildare on the Sunday and then after that you're going to be getting geared up for electric picnic Yes, which is very exciting. You're appearing at Design and Food with Johan van der Merve and J.P. McMahon. Tell us what you and Susan are doing at that. We are doing instant beer ice cream. So it's um, I'm a chemist by trade as well, um, like a pharmaceutical chemist, um, and then my love of beer. So I decided that I would combine both of them, and Susan has a theatre background. So um, it's very dramatic. Um, so we make instant beer ice cream and we'll be using um, Dungarvan's beer um, from the Dungarvan Brewery and also some of our own beer in recipes and then we're going to be instantly freezing it into sorbets and ice creams and using um, chemistry and fun in food Um, and there'll be a demonstration and then people get to sample the ice cream as well. And what day is that for? It It is on the Saturday but they haven't actually put down the time yet. So if people go to the Theatre of Food, food. web address, 
it's at theatreoffood.com they'll get details about that isn't it fantastic that you have this interest in beer Susan has the interest in wine and the theatre and you've all these different skills that combined together it's really adding a whole new dimension to the family pub business yeah it is and I think that when I suppose Susan and I were both growing up and we were like trying new things and doing different things and Susan was very arty and dramatic and then I was the kind of the sensible science person and now we've combined both of them together and in the family business which has been there since 1945 so it's kind of amazing that you can put everything together and I think especially in the coming um, like with results and stuff coming out for the leaving search and people getting offers for courses I think people don't think necessarily when they're doing something in college that you can change your mind um, and use it in different ways Absolutely, like who knows what the future holds and what sort of profession any type of degree can lead you into Exactly, yes now, you're the fifth generation of publicans, so the you're completely steeped in history there, really. Yeah, we are. And it's, um, yeah, it's a strange thing because you kind of think, oh, it's in your family background. And then all of a sudden when you start working in it, it it's innately in your blood, um, which I think is strange because I think if you talked to Susan and I when we were 17, 18, we would have never thought that we would be so involved in it as we are at the moment. <laughs> and do you come from a big family? Have you more brothers and sisters? No, it's just Susan and I. Um, so it's just the two of us. So we're holding holding the flag for the family. We <laughs> certainly are carrying it on, which is fantastic to see. So if people want to get details about what you and Susan are up to, you have an event section there on boylskildare.com. Yes. Um, so it will have all the events of what's going on in the pub. And then you can follow both Susan and I on Twitter at, at Miss Susan Boyle and at Miss Stuart Boyle. Um, and we'll keep you up to date with any of the going on that we are doing. Fantastic. Well, the best of luck with the beer tasting this Thursday, Medieval Kildare on Sunday and then at Electric Picnic the following week. And be sure to give our regards to Susan. I will indeed. Thanks, Sharon. Great to talk to you. Thanks, Judith. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break, you heard me talking to Judith Boyle, an accredited beer sommelier and fifth generation publican about the launch of a new in-house beer that is on in Boyle's Pub in Kildare this Thursday. And Judith and her sister Susan are also involved in Medieval Kildare and Electric Picnic's Theatre of Food, so keep an eye out for them at those events. And you can hear those interviews again later on in the week when they go up on the Best Possible Taste podcast, which is on soundcloud.com. Earlier in the show, Kenmare foodie Karen Cookley mentioned the Great Taste Awards. Well, on the line now, I have John Farrand, and John is the MD of the Guild of Fine Food, who are the organisers of these internationally renowned awards. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. 
John, we heard a report from Karen Coakley, our Ken Mayor Foodie, earlier on the programme, and she mentioned Quinlan's Fish Shop. And you can confirm that they did indeed have two smoked salmons that not only won three gold stars each, but also are included in the top 50 products in this year's Great Taste Awards. That's, that's absolutely right, Sharon. I mean, pretty impressive, actually, to uh, not only be a three-star, there were only 133 stars out of the 10,000 entries in this year's Great Taste. But uh, not only were they a three-star, but they've got two products in the top 50. Um, that is uh, a pretty impressive thing to achieve, but not, not unusual, to be fair, from, from Ireland, um, who have a long heritage of, of doing really rather well, not just this year, but, but over the 21 years of great taste. Yeah, it's great that Ireland does have a fairly impressive track record to date with the Great Taste. And there were another couple of Irish companies listed in the top 50 this year. That's, yeah, that's absolutely right. Qu- quite uh, contrasting uh, products. Um, we've got uh, James Whelan's Beef Dripping, and then you've got an excellent uh, farmhouse butter from uh, Quineog. Um, so you've got that sort of fat, uh, big fatty products there. Um, contrasting with the wonderful fresh sort of smoked salmon. Um, both, both equally as great, the emphasis on great taste is that things need to taste good or taste great. We don't look at uh, nutritional value necessarily or packaging. Uh, everything within the awards is blind tasted. So um, we don't make nutrition decisions or, or food, debate food politics. We, we simply give out Uh, awards one two or three to to things that taste great i think that's a very important point you make about it being blind tasted that people have no idea who made the product where the product came from that's right our our judges who work in in teams of of four or five uh, simply have the product uh, a description uh, given to them by the producer which which obviously doesn't have any maker names in it Uh, they sometimes see an ingredients listing but you're, you're absolutely right. There is no name. It's blind tasted. We don't look at packaging, which can often sway people. You know, the first bite is with the eye, uh, is the expression. And we, we want the decision of our judges to be based purely on the individual product in front of them and, and purely on, on the taste. Another element about great taste is it's not a competition. So it's not a case of you only award X number of stars to X number of products. If 10,000 products deserve three stars, then those 10,000 products will get three stars. Absolutely. We, we use the word accreditation really to describe that. Um, it's not a running race. Um, as you rightly point out, there isn't one best sausage or one best salmon. Uh, equally, there might be no <laughs> great sausages. Everything is judged on its own merits, um, and it's important that the, the judges make that value decision, and they aren't comparing it with other things. That can often cause uh, problems or issues if you start comparing sausage with sausage. We want each individual one to be judged and assessed. Equally, each individual product and producer deserves some feedback. Um, and, and we're unique in the fact that we give, our judges give feedback to the producers who aren't quite getting it right. I mean, if you think this year that uh, 31% of that 10,000 got an award of some sort, if you flip that, then clearly you know, around 70% aren't getting it right. And, and the task of great taste is 
not only to give out the gongs, but also to help improve the producers who, who aren't quite getting it right. And that's an important part of what we've done um, over, over the years. You mentioned there about the teams of judges. So there's four or five judges around a table. Just explain to the listeners how that works. They all have a taste. And if they say yes, no, there, there's other stages in it. Yeah, we're, we're pretty, our judging process has been refined over the course of our history and it's important to do that. They sit as a four or five, they've got about 15 products to assess in a session. Um, they discuss, um, one of the judges uh, who is a coordinator has a laptop, so they are harnessing all the comments from those judges. They agree as a team uh, on whether it gets a one, two or three or whether it gets uh, no award. Um, whatever happens, that product is passed to another table of four or five. Um, if it's, um, the initial table says it's not worthy of a star, that second table must concur. And if they don't, it then goes to another table because it could be worthy of a star. It, the, the premise for great taste is to get a food through as many palates as we possibly can to remove as much subjectivity as, as we can you're never going to remove all subjectivity because we're talking about food here and it would be the same with a good book or a good film or a good painting um, but if we get it through as many palettes as we can educated palettes I should say um, then we are doing our job to, to be as fair as possible to those foods and those food producers I think that it is a very rigorous and a very fair system that you have in place there because, as you say, there are a lot of different palettes. There's also a lot of different personalities in there, I'd say. Yeah. Yes, and, and it's, a, it's a, a good point. We have to, another good reason for getting it through as many people is you remove uh, the bullies or the big characters. We have, we have big egos in food, as I'm sure you are aware, and um, we have to temper those sometimes so that we get a fair representation. And yeah, we work hard hard at our teams. Um, we like to make sure that the panel are, are of different ages, of male and female, of different corners of the food industry. So we'll make sure that a team is made up of a retailer, a chef, a food writer, a food maker. So it gets a balance. I, mean, I judge myself at other f awards and I'm often uh, the youngest person in the room and I'm not particularly young and I'm sometimes it's a room full of men and it, it's just not representative what great taste does is try to to represent um, the nation if you like the nation's palettes um, through its judging teams. So there's chefs in there and there's food bloggers in there and there's also people who have won awards Indeed, yeah. I mean, we obviously don't let them judge their own food. We're clever enough to, to, to make sure they're not on there on the day when their food is. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's no one better in some respects um, to, to come along and judge. And the, uh, the people who make jam are very good at judging jam because they know the science behind putting it all together. So that is a, a fair thing um, or a fair corner of the industry to have a view on our judging team. And I think that's a good insight for those companies as well and those producers to, to have a go at the judge and to see the process from the other side of the table. It's, it's imperative. And actually, um, a lot of them go away even more chuffed with their awards if they've got them uh, because they, they know what it goes through. And equally, those perhaps who haven't quite got it right, it gives them a better insight on, on what they can be doing with their products themselves to tweak them. It, it also gives a unique melting pot of people from within the food trade. I mean, we judged um, in Dublin two years ago now, and it's, 
there is this sort of sub value of, of the great taste road show where business is done um, as a result of buyers meeting meeting sellers in in the sort of environment of that great taste judging week so it, I don't like the, the phrase networking, but it, I guess it is a sort of unofficial networking event as well for, for food and drink. We've talked there a bit about the judges and different products, and we should also mention the types of companies that enter, because this could be from the single producer right up to the multinational company that's entering products. Yes, I mean, by its nature, it attracts less entries from the multinationals, I have to say. But we, as, as organisers, uh, have to have faith in our process so we don't put a restriction on who can enter food and drink um, if you've got a thousand employees or one employee you can enter your food as long as it is commercially available that is the only premise or criteria we have you can't just make brownies uh, chocolate brownies at home and, and enter them you have to sell them somewhere um, but you know we have people who who only sell at farmers markets or 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 who only sell from their own farm gate. So it goes from micro businesses rather than small businesses, uh, as you say, up to some of the the bigger boys. But the the goodies shine through. That's what the process is there for. And and you know, not all food made in in factories is bad. And equally, not all not all food made by small food producers is great. Um, that's what our process finds out. Well, we started by talking about the top 50 and there's actually one more major accolade to be awarded in the form of the Supreme Champion. Yes, that's right. The, ne- the next stage really is uh, the, the awards night, September the 7th, which is held um, at the Royal Garden Hotel in, in London um, during the Speciality and Fine Food Fair. Um, and that uh, that is a, a dinner um, awards given out, and we have what's called the Golden Forks. So um, regions and countries uh, are awarded um, a Golden Fork for their best tasting food. And then, yes, ultimately we arrive at the Supreme Champion, which will be announced that night. And Ireland has done well in the past with that. It certainly has, yes. Um, winners uh, in the past, Woodcock Smokery, that I can recall now. Um, the Irish Golden Fork last year was won by Irish Atlantic Sea Salt, um, with, with their sea salt with dill pollen. Um, and yes, I mean, there's a, there's a, a wonderful track record. And um, there's, there's always a big winner from Ireland because you've got the Golden Fork from Ireland. But um, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully there'll be some some luck with the with the supreme champion this year too and hannon meets has won the supreme champion not once but twice indeed yes yes um they um they're big winners they've only won the supreme champion once but they've they've, they're continually winning um the 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 best from northern ireland uh and they are they are last year i think they had seven three stars um and and certainly five in the top 50 i can't remember my stats but they're it's interesting, actually, to see over the years uh, which uh, producers continually crop up. They might not always get a three-star, but they, 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 they are winning continually high awards, and the, and the same names crop up um, because of um, continually producing good food. The consumer then out and about doing their shop, and what do they need to look out for? Quite simply, Sharon, the, the, the black and gold logo, great taste, one star, two star and three star. Um, more and more producers are, are waving the flag because they're proud to win. I mean, it's, 
it's great for sales because the consumer is beginning to get it. They see the logo on packaging and they, they automatically know that a, a panel of independent judges are, are, are blind tasted and they are in effect recommending it to them. It's not marketing guff, uh, if you like. It is a, a genuine mark of quality. So they need to look out for the logo uh, and understand what, what it stands for. Um, and that's been a big part of how Great Taste has helped the smaller food producers by sort of uplifting sales. You said there about you had a Dub- you were in Dublin a couple of years ago doing the judging and you were in Belfast last year. Have you any plans to return in 2016? Yeah, well, I'm hoping that we'll be um, doing both next year, Belfast and Dublin. Um, that, that's the plan. Nothing confirmed, but it's a, it's a powerful roadshow, as I, as I said. It's a, it's a good thing to have. It's good for us to get out there um, and, and it's good for the, the producers and, and the makers of, of those countries for us to raise the profile because we get these lovely good judges coming over who are food writers, who are food hall buyers, and they are exposed to the producers locally. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a powerful thing now. Um, it, it really is. So there's lots of reasons for producers to enter their products. When will you open for 2016? Um, we'll be open so it's the middle end of January that's, that's our calendar we open for entry then we, we close for entry sort of end of February um, and then we judge March through until July so it's uh, a long long haul um, but um, you need to do things properly so it takes time and that's why uh, we take four or five months to, to, ju- to judge these 10,000 products and where is the best place for people to go and get information not only about products that have won but how to enter next year um, well, uh, greattasteawards.co.uk is, is where there's a, a, a good search engine to, to find all the winners. Um, that also links off to our trade site, which is where producers can, can find out uh, and register to make sure that they're on our database to receive information for 2016. So um, those two websites. John, it's been lovely talking to you this evening. We'll be keeping an eye out now to find out who the supreme champion is. Yes. In indeed. the meantime, the best of luck with it. Many thanks, Sharon. Thank you. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Great to chat to John and keep a lookout for the Great Taste label when you're out doing your shopping and trust me, you won't be disappointed. That brings us to the end of tonight's show. Thanks so much for joining me and of course to all of tonight's guests, a huge thank you. Declan and Emma O'Shaughnessy, Karen Coakley, Judith Boyle and John Farrand. A final reminder that the Best Possible Taste podcast is online at soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show. I'll be back at the same time next week for more food and chat. Hopefully we'll have Ron Forrestal to talk about wine and I'm also planning to have eels on the menu. So you've that to look forward to and of course lots, lots more. Until then, enjoy your week and bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!